Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Independence Report, which is brought to you on Thursdays by MTS Productions and Management Group, Michael Stover. He's a great guy, and he brings me some of the most interesting and talented singers, songwriters, and musicians on the planet today. And today, we have no exception because, uh, and I'm probably going to massacre your last name, but I'll give it a shot. How about that? Uh, Randy Seymour. Hey, you hit it right on the button the first time. Wow. <laughs> you a, get a you get brownie points right off the right off the bat. You got my name right. So you have no earthly idea how tough that is for me sometimes. Um so, <laughs> so in, in any event, uh you have been playing music since you were eleven years old. Yeah. Um, when your mom bought you a guitar. Yeah. Um if you were in my office, if I turned the camera around, you could see uh, a gift that I got not very long ago from my sisters hanging on the wall, which is a poster from 1956. And it's from KOEL radio, 950 AM. And it says KOEL Jamboree here in person, Jenny Seedorf. It's got my mother's personal appearance picture on it. Oh, wow. and, uh, she was a country music artist and, uh, Back then, she was uh, her stage name was the Prairie Sweetheart. She was known as uh, so. She wore the cowboy skirts and the hat and the boots and the whole nine yards. So, I grew up in a musical family, and uh, that was just kind of part of my heritage, you know, part of our family life. Oh, that's that's cool. So, when you were eleven years old and you got this guitar, did she have to drag you uh, in from the outside to play it and to practice, or is that something that you decided that? I love this thing and I'm going to do it until my fingers bleed. Well, I, uh, my mom was, uh, you know, led worship at the church where I grew up and she mm-hmm. played piano. And so Saturday afternoon after, you know, she did whatever she was going to do around the house, she'd sit down and practice. And I knew after a while that that was a good time to have some alone time with my mom. You know, she was practicing the piano, and, and so she would say, hey, why don't you sing this part here? She would teach me how to sing harmony. And then uh, one day she asked me, well, uh, you know, I've offered all the other kids. By the way, I have seven brothers and sisters. Oh, wow. Um, uh, you know, big family. And and she had offered all the other kids, hey, you know, do you want to learn to play an instrument? And, you know, my sisters all said, oh, I want to learn to play the piano like you. And I was like. She asked me if I wanted to do that. I said, no, 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 I, I want to play guitar, you know. And uh, she says, well, I'll let you borrow one of mine until you can, you know, save up your pennies to get your own. And, uh, so she went in the closet and she got one of her stage guitars. And uh, and I played that till I don't know, I was probably 17 years old before I went and bought my own. So. 
So you've been in the, uh, your family is a musical family and you've been doing this really basically your whole life. Yeah. And you've been in, you've been in some bands and, and the current band that you've been in, you've been in since 2010. Tell us about Soul Purpose. Well, Soul Purpose is, uh, I was leading worship at a church out in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, the pastor played saxophone. He was a, a, an artist. His name is Dennis Carnahan. Uh, amazing, amazing horn player. And uh, the guy that played drums in, in the band still plays drums in my band now, Jeff Burst. And he's a multi-instrumentalist, plays drums, bass, guitar, sings Irish music, has a, uh, uh, he's a songwriter, has an amazing voice. And uh, my first bass player also multi-instrumentalist, keys, bass, guitar, uh, horn, uh, these guys were all on my worship team and, you know, they'd trick me, they'd move around and, you know, <laughs> play different instruments and stuff. I mean, you know, not, you know, they're a bunch of, you know, knuckleheads on top of being great musicians, but uh, that was the first band. And uh, they were having a barbecue contest in the city park across the street from the church. And a guy came over and he said, hey, can we borrow your sound system or do you have any sound equipment that we can use to make announcements during this barbecue contest? And uh, I said, sure, sure. We've got some stuff we can loan you. Um, one condition, though, you have to let us set up a tent and let our band play, which I hadn't told any of the guys that I was going to do this. Right. And so I made up a set list on the fly and we played like two hours on a Saturday afternoon for about 500 different oh, wow. guys who were cooking barbecue. I mean, this park was packed with people and uh, what a fun time. Like every time they came up to do an announcement, the guy would say, Hey, do you want some brisket? Um, hey, I've got some chicken here. How about some ribs? You know, <laughs> man, I was stuffed by the time we got done. <laughs> we, we ate barbecue all day long. And then they bought us these enormous snow cones at the end of this thing. So, our first gig, uh, we got payment in barbecue. <laughs> well, and and you had 500 people that were paying attention and listening to what you were doing. Oh, it was great. Uh, yeah, and they were a great audience. We got invited to do a couple of other gigs from that first uh, appearance. So it was neat. And now you've been going for 11 years now? Yeah, 11 years. Uh, we've had one or two personnel changes since then. You know, life happens and. Yeah, uh, you know how that is in band culture. But uh, Jeff and I are still the two original members. We still have the same focus that we've had from the beginning, and that's you know getting out and, and getting a message of hope to people. I, I love I love your message because uh, I don't know about you, but I've been looking around lately, and I think we need a lot of hope uh, oh, in, in our country today. I'm telling you, uh, it's a it's a mess. I'm, I don't want to get into a political discussion, but the, no, we don't. But we have, you know, we have a lot of problems as a country, and uh, there's a lot of uh, social justice issues that we're dealing with right now as a people, and um, you know, just a lot of healing needs to happen uh, across the board. Top and I, east to west. I am I'm so thrilled to uh, meet you because uh, you're actively working every time you go out and play 
to make to uplift people's spirits, to make them a little happier, and uh, hopefully to bring people together in in a really positive way. Yeah, uh, we're going to be doing that tomorrow night at uh, Algoa uh, Prison in uh, uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. We'll be doing a concert for the incarcerated, and I'll be speaking there tomorrow night. And then Saturday uh, afternoon, we're uh, opening for Break the Fall at Christian Family Day in Smithville, Missouri. Oh, and wow. And I'll be playing in Belton, Missouri, Sunday morning. So You're going to have a busy, busy, busy weekend in the hundred degree heat. So yeah, exactly. You know, it's the, it what it's what I call the Kansas city summer weight loss program. <laughs> I could, I've, I've traveled to Kansas city. Um, and of course I worked out of, um, Arkansas for a period of time. Yeah. People in the sea, I'm in the Seattle area. And even though it was, uh, we, we broke a record this year of 111, I think. Oh, and, my and we broke that a couple of days in a row, I keep having to tell people, no, no, you have no earthly idea what it's like when it's a hundred degrees outside and humidity is 95%. And it's like, you can't walk outside and get to your car without dripping all over the place. That's, that is a fact. Um, I have a friend that lives down in Arizona and he comes to Missouri in the summertime to escape the heat. <laughs> <laughs> He lives in the Phoenix area where it's 120 in the summer, you know, which makes yeah. me laugh, you know, after having lived here for a good portion of my life. So. Can you imagine? I was thinking as I was uh, going to work one day years ago, I was I was thinking to myself when it was like 95 with with humidity and 90 percent. And I was going, you know, people used to live here 100 years ago and they had no air conditioning. This was just how they lived. How did they do that? I don't know. Um, I grew up in a three-bedroom house with one bathroom and uh, my mom and dad and, and seven siblings. Holy crap. And, and it had no air conditioning. Um, I just think we were tougher back then. You know, now we're kind of we're kind of soft. We have a lot of screens and, you know, that kind of stuff. But the only screens we had were on the windows and there was a fan stuck up there, you know. And uh, that was... We had a breezeway, you know, a lot of houses said that back then, you know, that, that room between the garage and the house with a screen door on both ends, you know. Oh, okay. And we would open the door on both ends and, you know, there's a screen door there and that would cause a draft to, you know, flow through the house. And uh, of course, some days it was like standing in front of a blow dryer, you know, <laughs> in the summer. Exactly. Now, how many sisters do you have? Five. So there were six, there were six women living in a house with one bathroom. How did that work out? Well, I, I tell lots of people, you know, uh, when people ask me what that was like, I said, I grew up in the nylon jungle <laughs> because I, I grew up in the era when women wore uh, stockings, you know, they were, right. they, they, uh, they had the stockings that clipped on Well, they rinsed those things out at night, you know, and hang them over the shower curtain. So before yeah. I could shower in the morning, I had to move my mother's and my five sisters' stockings that were hanging on the shower rod, you know, the now, nylon jungle, man. For those of you that are under, like, I don't know, 40, there was a time when women wore um, um, stockings like, like, they're like pantyhose, but they had a, uh, they had clasps at the top 
and I like kind of a belt that they wore and class that they would actually uh, clip them into uh, rather than pantyhose. Yes, yes. I can testify to that. Having, <laughs> oh, and then and then then it was not advisable to light a match in our house in the morning because at that time, you know, girls, you know, did the updo on their hair and then they put, you know, the Aquanet on it. You know, right? Very very flammable stuff. You know. <laughs> well, six six women trying to put on makeup at the same time would be really tough. Uh, and- they. They had mirrors all kind of all over. They had kind of had their little perch all over the house where they did that. And of course, they argued over each other's clothes. You know, oh, you're wearing my shoes. You know, you're wearing my skirt, whatever. You know, guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's older brothers. You know, we never worried about that stuff. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) Well, let's let's talk about your music Um, and your your music is positive. It's country in style. And it it really is uh, the two numbers that we're going to play today are really what I would call toe tappers uh, because they're they're really have a good tempo to them. They're they're really nice to listen to. You have a beautiful voice. I don't know. Can you say that to a man? You have a beautiful voice. How about you have a very handsome voice? Well, either one is fine with me. Uh, I, I just I appreciate the compliment. Thank you very much. And and I've been singing since I was a little boy. And and I'm just grateful that that I've been able to preserve my voice. You know, you must, you must uh, because you play a lot and you sing a lot. You must have. Did you take vo- vocal lessons at one point so that you could manage your voice? A couple of years ago, I started doing lessons with Brett Manning uh, from Singing Success down in Nashville. And uh, he's very good at with artists that are my age at helping them preserve uh, their vocal talent and what they have and preserve their range. And I actually my range is growing working with him. So oh, that's great. That's great. It is so sad that I, I see lots of musicians, lots of singers, as they get to a certain age their voice just kind of deteriorates and they can't do what they once did. And so they have to play louder. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, and, uh, they, they lose a lot of dynamics. Um, you know, uh, I, I've heard some artists that almost, uh, well, actually I just heard Chris Christopherson, uh, not very long ago on his farewell tour. And he's nearly 80 years old at this point, or maybe 80 at this point, but, um, he really sang, uh, he more talked and whispered than he did sang at, at, uh, than he did sing at this point, you know, and I think some artists, they do so much damage to their voice touring and uh, in between touring, they're doing interviews and they're doing radio spots and things like that. And they just don't get the proper vocal rest. They don't hydrate the right way. They don't warm up. Um, they just go out on stage and let her rip, you know, and you can only do that so many times and, and then your vocal cords start to not respond. So. Oh yeah. Now, now I I wanted to ask you another question about the concert that you're doing tomorrow night in the in the in the penitentiary. Yes. And and have you thought about recording that and making that a live album? I know another guy did that about Folsom <laughs> Prison. That might sell really well. It might. It might. Um, I tell you what, I've I've played a lot of places uh, and I played for. Um, you know, I don't want to brag on myself, but I've played in front of some pretty big audiences and I've never been in front of a more appreciative audience than the guys inside of prison. Um, 
there's, you know, they may be blocked up, but they're free in their heart. They, they appreciate us being there. Um, for us, my wife and I go in, uh, it's a Friday night. They know that we could be out having dinner or going to a movie or something like that. And they're so appreciative that we took the time to come and be there with them. And, uh, it's a blessing to them. And it's certainly a blessing to have an audience that, that that's that appreciative and that way. And, and you're also a minister, correct? I am. I'm an ordained, um, uh, minister in the church of the Nazarene. Um, as of this week, I was ordained. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. In district assembly, uh, graduate of Nazarene Bible college. And, uh, I've been in pastoral ministry for 23 years. And I really hope that the, when you go there and I know that you're going to play and then you're going to give a little talk. And I really hope that the, that the talk is receptive so that these guys can do what they've got to do inside. And then when they get outside, they can become productive members of society. Well, that's our goal. You know, we talked about hope a little bit earlier. And uh, I think one of the things that we find in, in ministry to the incarcerated is, is the ladies and gentlemen that we speak to, they're, um, they've made some bad choices, you know, and they're but for the grace of God go I. You know, I made a lot of bad choices when I was young. Um, the uh, What we're trying to do is help families. Yes, we want to help that individual. But that individual is most likely a husband or, or a wife and most likely a mother or a father. And so they're going back to a family. And uh, our hope and our prayer is that that has a trickle-down effect to the whole family. That person's heart has changed it's going to change the dynamic of the whole family. Well, and sometimes these have, these folks have been away from their family for quite some time. Yes, and to go back into that, you know, that's the one thing that, and I don't want to get political here, but the one thing that I wish that we did better was to handle the exit and the retraining and, and the working with guys so that they, to give them, as we talked about before, hope, so that they they feel like they can conquer whatever demons they had in the past and move forward. If you've been an offender, that's going to go on your every job application that you ever fill out when you get out. Um, and so that reentry into society is a challenge for men and women. Uh, you know, finding a job. Um, I, I talked to a uh, an offender not too long ago said, I made $6,500 a week uh, working on a street corner. Okay. And when I got out of, out of prison, he said, I made less than $70 a week working in a furniture store. He said, so the, the, the financial draw is there to go back to the same group of individuals, which in reality was the reason that they ended up in prison in the first place. So, the idea is to um, make a change on the inside so behavior on the outside ends up changing as well. Yeah, it's going to be a while before you make $6,500 uh, in a furniture store or at McDonald's or an entry-level place that, you know, that they have to start out at. But if they're going to change their life and change the generational issues that go along with that they've got to be the ones to make that change. And I'm very glad that you're the one doing that. Yeah, it is. It is a personal choice. And uh, of course, 
you know, God helps us do that from the inside out. There's a change that happens there. So that's what we're trying to help them with. Well, and God bless you, because I think that is an awesome, awesome thing that you're doing. Um, and I, I know it's your work. I know it's your mission. But it, like like you said, it's it's a Friday night. You could be off doing a bunch of other stuff, but you're in there helping them lead a life that's more productive and, and better. So God bless you. called to, and, and again, something that's very rewarding. So let's talk about Family Tree, shall we? Okay. How did that song come to be? Well, um, I, uh, you know, several things had kind of come about this during the pandemic. And, uh, uh, you know, I think all of us, uh, regardless of what we do for a living, we were isolated in some way. And uh, I got to reflecting on my family and what was going on with uh, what it kind of the landmark events in my life. And uh, I, I thought, you know, everybody has those. Everybody has some things uh, in their life, some events or uh, special times that molded who they are. They're, they're part of the fiber of who they are. And uh, for me, it was my musical childhood with my family. It was the birth of my son, my first child. That changed me, you know, that, that first moment when I came in eye contact with my son, you know wow, I helped make that, you know, <laughs> that was pretty cool, you know, and then, and then uh, third of all was the moment that I gave my heart to the Lord, you know, so those were, those were all transformational times in my life, so that's where the song came from, and I'm hoping that, that people kind of key into that, and they think about, oh, well, this is, this is how my life changed, you know, it was, it was the birth of my family, or you know, my relationship with my parents or, or something of that nature. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's odd when you have a child, um, in the beginning, it's almost free. And then you spend the rest of your, your life. They don't stay to... free. Kevin. They nope. Don't they don't. Free. They all go, they all grow up and they want cars and they want cell phones and they want to go to college. And we have five kids and 10 grandkids. So, oh my goodness. So our kids not not only did we have children, but our kids were fruitful and multiplied, you know. And so Christmas is pretty much a crazy town, you know. Well, you must have a because you've got seven brothers and sisters, you probably got a bunch of nieces and nephews and oh, all of that. You, you got a huge uh get together when you all get together. Oh, it's it's like I said, it's crazy town, man. It's a zoo around this place. We just remodeled our, we had a sitting room that used to be like a formal living room in our house. We live in an old ranch house and we turned it, we knocked the wall out and made this thing into one great big dining room. We can seat 20 people at our dining room table now. And uh, it's just, it's just been the best thing that we've ever done, you know, where we can all sit around the same table and laugh together and eat a meal together. You know, it's great. What, what's your guy's favorite thing to do for the holidays as far as food goes? We have breakfast. Um, ah. we, we make a big, like a big breakfast buffet, almost like a brunch. We do, we, my wife bakes like crazy. Uh, we'll do a big casserole and fried potatoes and biscuits and gravy and all the goodies, you know, make up I'll, a bunch of bad stuff like bacon, you know, and they, yeah. I'll bet you her, her country gravy is to die for. 
Oh, she's an amazing cook. My wife is amazing. They don't do it. We live in Seattle and they just don't do country. They just don't do it here very well. Oh, you got to Well, if you lived in Arkansas, you had some country gravy. You know? Yes, sir. And it's not anything like what you get here. It's like, oh, no. that's just not they need to go to. They need to go to Stroud's chicken over here in Kansas city and have the country gravy over there and some fried chicken and, and biscuits and cinnamon rolls, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, the country or the company I worked for in Arkansas was a chicken company, so it was oh, wow. a vertically integrated chicken producer called Simmons. And uh, there's actually they've got a plant in Missouri as well. Um, and and so I I sold chicken for a living for a while. It was great for all fun. right, all right. Well, you'd have been yeah. a popular guy around here, man. Yeah, <laughs> this chicken around here. And they are the the people in the area that you are in are just such down to earth wonderful human beings and they'll give you their shirt off their back i couldn't agree more this is uh the midwest is um has its disadvantages you know it seems like everything kind of gets to us you know after the coast you know uh but we've been uh, we've been really blessed here to have great people and a great environment to raise our family Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to play, um, and we're going to play family tree. This is Randy Seedorf and, uh, and his, and was this the entire band or did you put it together all by yourself? This was uh, studio cats. Um, this with my producer, Larry Gann on drums. Um, he's a world-class drummer and, uh, this is Craig Q on bass and, uh, and uh, Nate Dean on guitar. He did, uh, all the tripled up guitar parts. Um, Alex Cortez, um, who played with MC Hammer on keys, uh, is a great band. And it's wonderful to get together when you guys are all, you know, very talented musicians and you've worked very hard in your life to become that. It's great when a bunch of really good guys can get together to make a heck of a record and to make it a lot of fun at the same time. Thanks. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I have. I've been listening to it, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's very good. This is Randy Seedorf, and the name of the song, again, is Family Tree.
That is a great song. I just love that song. It came out in January of this year. How's it doing? Oh, it's doing really well. Um, it's uh, we're we've got some consistent charting on that. It uh, song charted number one in South Africa on all genres on iTunes, and uh, uh, it's done really well in the UK and over in Europe. Uh, actually talked to a gentleman from Inverness, Scotland last week who's been playing oh, wow. the song. So, um, so we, it's amazing now with digital technology. Um, you know, people don't go out and buy albums anymore like they used to. Now they hit the download button, you know. And uh, so music just gets to uh, the consumer so much quicker, quicker than it did as we were growing up probably. Oh yeah, well I did you remember what it was like. We would go we would go to the music store and they had a um they had the hot hundred and those oh, were seventy yeah. eights oh, and yeah. they're the they're they were little things that you played and they were they had a song one song on the front, one song on the back, and they would have the top hundred and I used to I used to go looking for Beatles records there when they and way back way back when and then and then everything was vinyl. There were no tapes there were no uh, um cds or dvds or any of that everything was vinyl and i miss those days don't you <laughs> i do we had album parties that's what we used to do um, that's right uh, you know you get paid on friday you go down to the album store and you you know you got your your favorite artist new record and then you call up a bunch of your friends and they come over the house and you know you know there was this reverence and solitude you know as as you place the stylus down on the record for the first time, you know, oh, you know, and then everyone in the room had to get the album jacket and look at the art and read the liner notes, see who played on the record and, you know, all the credits and all that. I mean, nobody does that anymore. Although, you know what, at least here, I don't know if it's everywhere, but vinyl's making a comeback. Oh, that's good to hear. I like to hear that. Um, I just, I think there was something special about actually physically taking the record and, and putting it on the turntable. And um, I wish I'd have kept all my vinyl I had. Oh, I had hundreds of great records. Oh, yeah. Well, and my son, 
my son introduced me to it because he, he he said, listen to this, Dad. And he put it on a particular song on vinyl. And then he had this, also the song on CD and MP3. And he said, look at the difference in the tone, the, the, the separation of the instruments, everything that was a lot more, it was a lot clearer on the vinyl. And there's stuff that gets lost when you put it into CDs or you put it into MP3s. Yeah, it's like it's like playing, uh, you know, as a guitar player, it's like using solid state equipment versus using analog. You know, yeah. it's just the analog and the tube stuff. It just to me, to my ear, it just sounds better. Yeah. So so here it's making a comeback. By the way, this is this is the time when I would like to make a presentation to the audience that are listening now and in the future. Uh, these guys work very, very hard. They spend their entire life developing their craft. Uh, please buy their music, download their music and pay for it. Uh, don't stream it uh, and not pay for it. They deserve to be, to take them the money that they make and to use it however they choose uh, because they work very hard for it. And it's hard to make a living as a musician these days. Oh, it's incredibly hard. Um, and you're right about you know, the way the music business has changed, uh, you know, music is so accessible now um, that, you know, it's not, um, it's not the same, uh, as you said, you know, it's, it's available on the streaming platforms and all that word. Um, I mean, it's very convenient for the consumer, uh, but at the same time, it, if, especially like, let's say during a pandemic, when you can't go out and do live gigs, um, it's it's really difficult to make a living as a musician. Oh, absolutely! And even though you're part of Abscam, are you not? Is that is uh, that did I say it correctly? Um, the the um, hold on, it's the uh, uh, yeah ASCAP ASCAP yes. American Society Composers, Authors, and Publishers. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm an ASCAP guy. Um, and they, you know, they do a great job. Um, they do. And, you know, some people are BMI guys. Some people are ASCAP guys. They're, they're necessary parts of uh, the music business, the business side of things. And uh, that's something I didn't know anything about when I was young. Um, you know, just took time to mature into that and, and to learn that side of the business. But, um, you know, it, that, that just really protects the artist. Um, and, For the, uh, I didn't understand it at first. And I thought, oh, what are those guys doing? But now I understand their work, and I think it's very important. So tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to explain this to, to the audience, and hopefully you can correct me with whatever I need to be corrected on. What that agency does is it makes sure that when a song gets played on the radio, it goes in a jukebox, uh, wherever it's played in a public forum, that the the artist gets their contracted piece of that play. Does it, did, did I say that kind of close? That's very close. And uh, I couldn't really add anything to that. I think you did a great job of explaining what ASCAP, what those agencies do. Um, so, they're, they're just really... Uh, you know, they're as a, a proponent for the artist to make sure that they get their royalties, uh, to make sure that they get paid for their work. And it's not just musicians. Um, it's it's publishers. Um, it's songwriters. Um, it's poets. Um, 
and you know all the time people use those things without permission and make money off of them and then the artist doesn't get paid so ASCAP, BMI, um, their, their primary business is taking care of the artist. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, on YouTube, as an example, um, I, I've been doing some music things. And the cool thing is, and I don't mind it a bit, I would prefer it actually this way because this episode is going to be what they, they're, they're going to tag this episode because it's going to have copyright issues. And but the cool thing is, is that every artist that I've ever put on, including I, I did one one podcast with with like nationally known songs and we played played a bit of them and and they, we told stories about them and that sort of thing. And there was only one band that forbid you at all from using any of the music at all. And that was my favorite band, which was the Beatles. They, they, oh, so. Wow. They took down the episode because I played a snippet of one of their songs. Everybody else was like, okay, you can use it, but we want to have credit for it. And that's fair. Sure. sure. And I, th I think that's all any artist really wants. It, you know, they just want to be recognized as the writer or the performer or, you know, whatever the case might be. If you're a photographer and you use a photo on an album cover or, you know, for an advertisement, you know, recognize the photographer. You know, how hard is that? And that way they, they not only get the recognition for their work, but they also maybe get a little bit of something to help them continue to, to buy the supplies that they need to do their art. Uh, for us, it's strings and, you know, repairs on our gear because it takes a lot of wear and tear, things like that. But, you know, you think about an artist, their paint, their canvas, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it costs money to make art. It does. And it takes also a tremendous amount of talent and dedication to that talent. And so you have to have a lot of uh, passion for what you do. And you have that. Uh, and it's, it really shows in your music. Let's talk about Dream a little bit. Uh, how okay. did that song show up in your, in your world? Well, that was also a pandemic thing. Um, I've collaborated with another songwriter for, well, since, since we were kids, really, since we were in high school. And uh, I think what happens with most musicians as they, as they grow, um, they start realizing, oh, well, this guy over here plays guitar, or this guy plays drums or whatever. Um, they start collaborating and that's how they, they grow as a musician, they get better. And uh, so we've always kind of had this deal when we, when we heard great music, we would call the other person and say, hey, man, you got to go, you got to go check this out, you know, and uh, I, I've, I've done that with him a few times, and he texted me one day, and he said, you've got to go listen to this song called Dream, and, and uh, it's, it's this group called the, the Blue Sky Riders, and it's, you know, Kenny Loggins, and Georgia Middleman, and Gary Burr, and these guys are all Grammy Award-winning songwriters, and uh, they, he said they vocalize like they're a brother and sister. And the first time I heard the song, I said, that's like my theme song right now. It just spoke to my heart. And really, the song says that you're never too old to dream. You know, you're never too old to go after, you know, the thing that God called you to do, the thing that's in your heart that you know you were made to do. And as long as I can do this and not stink at it, you know, as long as, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> trust me, you got a you got a long ways to go before you stink at it. <laughs> so as long as I can still, you know, my vocal cords still work and I can still play and and I can still write, I want to keep doing that because that's you know that's what I feel like I was put here to do. And uh, um, I there I can go to I don't know how many different stories biblically. Um, I'll just use Noah as an example. He was 500 years old when he began building the ark, right? Yeah. He was six, 600 years old when he closed the door on the ark with two <laughs> of every kind of animal. So it took him 100 years to build that. And uh, he never gave up on his dream. He never gave up on what he was called to do. And I don't think we should either. Even though he was building the ark where there was no water and for a hundred years he had to listen to people saying noah you're nuts there's no water yeah. here yeah i'm sure the neighborhood association was real happy about <laughs> two of every kind of animal um in the front yard too you know and then uh, of course it had to be made out of gopher wood which you know you had to go and source so you know, can you imagine? Hi, Ralph. How you doing? Your neighbor, you come over with the chainsaw. Hey, I'm just going to take this tree out. I'll be, uh, I'll be back later. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, it would just, it could never happen today with our, our over litigious no. society. You know. So. <clears throat> but I, I, I'm committed to, and like you are, I'm committed to following your passion. And and age is irrelevant. If if you're doing what makes you happy and what's what's in your heart to do and you love it, see, I I do this because I love it. I I love talking to people like you. It just inspires the heck out of me. Well, it and, shows. It shows that you enjoy what you do. You do it with a smile on your face. You have a great attitude. Um, you you like to laugh. I mean, I, I just love guys that do uh, guys and gals that do what they love to do. I mean, you can tell that that's what makes them come alive inside, you know? It does. It, it truly does. It, it may, it, it just talking to people like you that see my, my philosophy is if down the road, you and I are doing this and, and, and somebody listens to it and they can listen to what you're saying and they can say, you know, he's right. Maybe I can, if we can change one person with this podcast, that's that we've accomplished our mission. Yes, I agree. That's um, true. Words were never spoken. I, I just think that we're, you have to stay true to who you are, what you were called to do. And uh, you know, that's again, that, that thing, you know, for some people that's frying chicken, right. For some people that's cutting grass for you, it's talking on the radio. For me, it's singing, playing music, writing songs, you know, whatever that thing is, you know, um, yep. Hey, that's to stick to it. now. There's another song title for you. Doing the do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> now, I before we play uh, uh, Dream, I want to uh, ask you what is the songwriting process like for you? Is it lyrics then music? Is it are you driving down the road and all of a sudden this melody c comes into your head and it? I know where it comes from, uh, and it, it, I suspect it comes from on high because of the fact that um, music is so integral to our spiritual life as well as our just our everyday existence. It, it uplifts us. How does the it work answer for you? to that question is yes. Uh, <laughs> in that I've had inspiration for songs from all of those things. Um, 
I keep a pad of paper in the car when I drive um, and a pencil. Um, I keep it close by so that I can, you know, jot something down. Nowadays, um, you know, I have the recording device on my phone. Um, I'll whisper something into my phone if I'm sitting in a waiting room. If I'm driving down the car, I'll hum a tune into it. Someone will say something and I'll say, that's a song. That's a hook, right? And I'll, I'll text it into the notes on my phone. Um, I have a file of song ideas and I have a file of songs that are in different stages of completion. Um, some of them come like I can just, I can remember some songs where I just sat down and I almost wrote them word for word first pass. Right. Yeah. Is that strong. Right. And then sometimes it's a little bit more work. You know what you want to say in your heart, but you, you don't have just the right word or just the right phrase that's that's going to create that picture that you want it to create. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. But but so, what what will happen to you then, I'm willing to bet, don't know for a fact, but I'm willing to bet that you'll be pondering over this phrase that you want to create and to use that's not quite right, and somewhere, somehow, you'll hear it, and it will then make sense, and you'll be able to put it together. It's that's exactly that is the process. The process ends up being um, a creative process that's um, it's rubbing on something until it it's it's like a like someone who's making a pot from clay. You know they're molding it until it's just it it looks just the way they want it. And uh, uh, using words and music to create pictures. Uh, to create images is the same, same thing. I can't think of a higher calling. I wish I could play. I didn't, I, I didn't take, I, well, I took guitar lessons, but I didn't, wasn't a very good student and I can't sing and I, I can write words, but I, anyway, but I would love to be able to do what you do is what I'm trying to say. And it, it's great fun. And you impact so many people you know, every time that you play. Well, I appreciate that. And it's, it's, it's an honor, um, and a, and a privilege to be able to do that. Um, I take that very seriously. Um, uh, when you have gifts and graces to do something, there's responsibility that comes along with that. And uh, how you use them is as important as the way you use them uh, and where exactly. you use them. Um, again, we're talking about helping people with what we do. Um, that's the purpose behind the music. Absolutely. By the way, we're talking with Randy Seedorf, and we are going to play the song Dream right now.
And that's Randy Sudor for the song called Dream. And uh, I, is that one out? Can you can somebody download that and, and buy it? Yeah. Um, if you go to my website, uh, randycedor.com, um, you can you there's a link there to all of our music. Uh, you can buy our music right from our website. I highly recommend that that's what you do. Yeah, um, it is. Um, it is so much easier that way. You can see our whole catalog. You can buy it by the song or you can buy it by the record. You can check out the lyrics um, before you purchase it. Oh, I think that's great. That's a, that is a wonderful song. And if I could just add to that, um, I've known lots of people that have worked their whole life they did not have balance in their life, and so therefore, they, when they quit working, they no longer had anything to fall back on that they could call a passion, and they, so a lot of them ended up just, just fading away, sitting on a couch because they, and, and getting old at the same time, rather than transferring their life to a life of work to create the passion, whether it's uh, volunteerism whether whatever it is, go, going to work at a church, do, do whatever that, that that floats your boat and can you can be passionate about, please do it until and have no regrets the day you pass away. That's it. Uh, I uh, again, whether it's carving wood or frying chicken or whatever whatever it is that you do that is that you know again that makes you come alive inside. That's the thing that you should be doing, uh, in my view. Um, that's what that's what's going to really make the world a better place, in my view, because you're doing then what you were called to do, what you were meant to do. And uh, I, I don't think that you can get any better than that, in my view. I agree with you uh, 5000 percent, because if you're following your passion and your heart is engaged, you don't have time for hate, division and fear. That's right. You, you have you're preaching you have, to me now. You're preaching <laughs> my message now. That Never that and that is switch spots here in a minute. <laughs> See, that's the tagline of my podcast, which is why I call it the my independence report, is because I'm declaring my independence from hate, division, and fear. And, and well, I want great, that's a great message, Kevin. It, it really is. And it it resonates with me because I I see so much of the other. I'm tired of the other. I think that if we, and you're right, if we're spending our time doing things that we're passionate about, we don't have time for the other stuff. And, uh, and we're letting other people do what they do. And we're following what our heart tells us to do. And our heart, plenty of that other stuff to go around. There is indeed. Randy, I got to tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I want to honor your time by not keeping you too long. I could talk to you for hours, but what I'd like to do is to offer you the opportunity, and I never tell you guys this, but you always come up with something great, give you the opportunity. I'm going to step aside, and you talk to the audience and tell them anything you would like them to know. Okay. Um, well, uh, first of all, thank you, Kevin, for the opportunity to come and, and share about my music and my life and, uh, you know, what's going on with uh, Soul Purpose on your on your podcast. And I really appreciate that. I know uh, you could have had any number of people on here, but you you asked me to come. And so I, Absolutely. I appreciate that uh, invitation. Uh, secondly, uh, I would like your viewers, if they could, to go and check out our website and read the bio 
and read about what we do. Um, if they believe strongly in that, there, there are many ways that they can contribute to that. Um, they can do that monetarily, of course, but they can also do that um, just with this, you know, with their prayers. And we would appreciate that. We go into some places where not everybody else can go. But, you know, maybe you have a family member that's been incarcerated. Okay. Many do. But we can go for you. And uh, that's the way we look at it. Not everybody can go to prison, but we can go for you. So we can take that message to those that need it. Um, so if you want to support um, just with good thoughts and you want to subscribe to our, our, our uh, newsletter, that's cool too. That's no cost. You get a free download for doing that. So um, how, can you, how can you lose on that? And then the second thing is check out our music uh, on all the digital platforms. You know, we're on Tidal, Deezer, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, um, all the culprits. So, again, thanks for letting me come on today. Uh, it is absolutely my pleasure. And uh, it's it's great to, to have you here. You're going to be around doing music for a long time. Um, I did want to make it for those of you that have never had the opportunity i guess to walk into a prison as a guest <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than an inmate it still is a frightening experience when you're going through all the metal detectors and all the guns and all the people and all the all, all the things and so for you guys to go in there and to set up your music and to play not everybody's going to be uh appreciative some of the guys have got a long way to go, a lot of work to do yet, and uh, and but but to do what you do, it, it, it's phenomenal. And and thank you for that because if you can get well, you know this. If you can get one guy or ten guys to become a productive member of society, return to their families, raise their kids right, and do the things that they can do, um, you've won. Yeah, everybody's in a different place on their journey, and we understand that going in. Uh, that I can tell you, the first time I walked in, I heard that door slam behind me. Uh, <laughs> yep. You know, and being out, like, we've done yard concerts where we're actually out in the yard. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and you're surrounded by razor wire, and there's gun turrets, on, you know, all around you. Um, I think the first time I did that, I... Uh, you know, I think my blood pressure was just a little bit elevated, you know, first time I yep. did that. I was, I was a little uncomfortable. Um, but we, no matter how many times you go, it makes an impact on you. You can't forget where you are. You know, you can't forget why you're there. So thanks for letting me talk about that. Absolutely. Well, what you're doing is, you're, is um, helping humanity. And uh, we, we just need more of that. We need people who can write music and play like you do and also have the heart that you have. So all of those things are, are really special, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Again, we've been talking with uh, Randy Seedorf. Go to randyseedorf.com, right? Correct. And so that is S-E-E-D-O-R-F-F, two Fs. Two Fs. Go there and download his music. Look at his mission. Look at his bio. It's it's all very inspirational. It's it's worth your time. So I appreciate that. Again, that's 
www.randyseedorf.com and uh and please buy some music from him or some other other stuff that's there or contribute to his cause that would also be good because you need gas and gas is going through the roof right now it does and by the way we have really cool t-shirts too oh Um, cool our our drummer is a a graphic artist and uh, he designed our logo for uh for the t-shirts and so if you go to the merch section on our our website we have way cool t-shirts I'm just that, saying. They're, I'm biased, but they're way cool. I, that's that's just awesome. Randy, if you'll stay right there for a moment, I've got to do this, and then I'll be right back. And ladies and right. gentlemen, thank you. This has been uh, Randy Seedorf, and uh, I'll be back um, tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.